Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. I'm Nikki Stevenson. And I'm Colleen Tinker. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Nikki. This is our fifth New Year's now. I can't Since we're believe keeping it. Count. I know. Yeah. I know, right? We, we commented last week on our fifth Christmas, but I guess that makes it the fifth New Year, and I cannot believe it. It's just going by so quickly, but it's been such a blessing to do this with you. I've learned so much, and I've loved doing this with you. It's so fun. <laughs> well, we are reflecting on this last year quite a lot. Every time we enter into a new year season, we reflect on the previous year, but we're also looking forward to another year, a year that has a lot of question marks it attached to it. This yeah. is an election year, and that's Ooh, a that's big deal right. yes, for, for us in the United States. And, you know, things just seem to be going from bad to worse spiritually in the world. Uh-huh. And um, we also see God at work in the church. We see him building his body. We see more and more people leaving Adventism I for know, the gospel. Nikki, I can't believe that. Yes. Unlike any time I've seen since I've come out and Same. been a part of this ministry. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of exciting things and a lot of curious things that are yeah. going on around us. How are you walking into this year with all of that in mind? Knowing that I'm being held by the lamb bearing marks of slaughter, I don't know how else to say it. But, you know, this whole thing of people leaving Adventism, I do think often that Jesus is calling his sheep. Yeah. He is. And don't you sometimes think about (laughs) those enigmatic statements where Jesus talked about the times of the Gentiles and Paul in Romans talks about in Romans 11 talks about the fullness of the times of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and then Mm -hmm. the unhardening happens to Israel. I just think about it, and I think, I don't exactly know what that means, but I see people leaving Adventism, and I think, God is doing what He said He would do. He's bringing in His sheep. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the explosion kind of began during 2020, Right. When the whole world looked just on fire, not just to Adventists, but no. to all kinds of unbelievers. And there were a lot of people who came to faith during that time, just being online. I was just speaking with a gentleman uh, last week who said that he was at home during 2020 and he had the TV on and someone came on and gave the gospel and he gave his life to the Lord on his living room floor. So wow. I really do believe that God works through very difficult and trying situations to bring people to himself. And maybe as we face some of the stuff that's ahead for us, we can remember that in the middle of that, in the midst of that, God is at work and has a plan. And I know Revelation has truly helped me understand, just like Daniel did, that he is the Lord of history. That's a perfect summary. He's the Lord of history. He's not accidentally giving us little formulas to figure out and add up and figure out what they mean and what they stand for. Mm -hmm. He's telling us actual words with actual meanings. He's using normal literary (laughs) methods, Mm -hmm. context, grammar, figures of speech. And you know what? I want to say when people say, oh, well, I don't put any stock in the grammatical, historical, literal method and I want to say that's not even what it's called. No, it's not. <laughs> Nikki, what's it called? You've been studying a book about it. Yeah, it's called the Historical Grammatical Literary Hermeneutic. And that literary yeah. is referring to the genre that you're in, being aware of that genre. 
Yeah. And, and how that informs what you're reading. Yeah. Because even in high school literature classes, we didn't make the mistake of thinking we could read Shakespeare like we would read a science book or that we could read Emily Dickinson like, you know, a math book. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Do people read math books? <laughs> Well, I didn't. I certainly didn't. <laughs> Which column does that zero go in? <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty funny. Well, I mean, God is the one who gave us language, isn't he? He is. I know he gave us math, too. Okay, but... yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll concede that. I'll concede that. <laughs> but we don't use math like like we would use art. No, not at all. And so when I look at Revelation, I see there's words here that mean things. And I can't sit and pretend that it meant something different than I would think automatically by picking it up and just reading it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people reinterpret it or go back to what certain early church fathers said and said, this must be an allegory, this can't possibly mean this because this. I don't know, Nikki. The words mean what they mean, and I have come out of a religion where I believed that God tricked us Mm -hmm. for ulterior motives. Yeah. And he doesn't. I don't believe that anymore. Yeah, it, it was kind of like uh, trying to get into an Ivy League school. You know, the <laughs> brightest and the smartest, the ones who can figure it out, they're the ones that are going to make it. And the rest of us just kind of went along for the ride, hoping. I don't know what I thought. What do you think now? My salvation isn't based on my intelligence. <laughs> it's based on a person. It's based Absolutely. on on the Lord Jesus who took a body and came here and he revealed the Father. He revealed who God is to humanity, and He died for our sins. And now the righteousness of God in Christ is mine because I've trusted Him. And it's finished. It's absolutely His work is finished. There's no investigative judgment. He's seated at the right hand of God. It's complete. It's a legal transaction. It is. And He is a just God. Yeah. And so I know that He's not going to be fickle and subjective and emotional about it. He has decided. It's been decided. I am his. Nikki, I love that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and so so now we're walking into the year knowing that. And I, I just can't get over how comforting the book of Revelation is in light of that. I wrote down some things that that are kind of takeaways for me that I will carry with me into this year that the book of Revelation has reminded me of. Please share them. Jesus is the one who walks among the candlesticks. We're living in a strange time, as we said, but Jesus knows each of his churches and each member of each church on the books or not. He knows who are his. Yeah. And it's personal. It's intimate. We look at his letters in Revelation. He knew exactly who was causing trouble, who was putting up with it, who was dealing with (laughs) it. He knew their deeds. Not only did he know their deeds, he knew how they strove inside themselves as they performed their deeds. And he commended them for for their perseverance. He knew everything about them just as he does today with us. He knows who I am. He knows who you are. And he knows all of the dynamics surrounding our lives. And he walks with us and he speaks to us through his word. He's the overseer of our soul. I love that. That's a beautiful way to put it. He's the one who's worthy to open the scroll. And that means when we walk into this new year, we know that Jesus is the one who holds history. This is not surprising him. Everything about 2024 is going to unfold according to his will. 
And we may suffer in the midst of that, but it is our great privilege to suffer as His children because we know Him more through our suffering as we come to the bottom of ourselves and we ask Him to show us who He is and to take care of us. So even in that, the one who's worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals and to pour out his judgment. I personally don't believe that the church will be here during that time. Right. (laughs) But the Lord judges even before the judgment is going to come. And we are living in a rebellious nation during a rebellious time. And we have to deal with the fallout of that. And we can know that he's keeping us in that. And Revelation has shown me that evil cannot go rogue. I like that too, Nikki. It, absolutely. There is nothing that evil will do that, that God has not permitted. And and I still think about those spirits or angels. You'll have to remind me what they are that are on the Euphrates who have been mm-hmm. waiting for the moment that they are given permission by God himself to go out and execute justice. And they're evil. Yeah. But they're under God's sovereign rule. So evil can't do anything God doesn't allow. And in the midst of it, This is something I really appreciate, and that's so new uh, as a Christian. We have commands in Revelation. There are commands to the church. They're in all of the letters, just a few of them. Hold fast what you have until he comes. Don't permit false doctrines. Don't Mm -hmm. compromise in your churches. Remember always from where you've fallen. Always repent and remember the love you had at first. Do the deeds you had at first. Be faithful unto death. And if... He's outside the door and knocking. Open it. Open it. Open it. There are others, but none of these commands are, I want to be careful how I say this because there's absolute, absolutely wisdom in, in making good choices and providing for your family. Look at Joseph, you know, and, and what he did in Egypt for the people before the famine. But there are no commands in Revelation to store up food, to run to the hills, to arm yourself heavily and to be prepared for battle. Those aren't the commands. The commands are to trust him and to yeah. hold fast what we were given at first from the start, not something new, not a variation, not present truth or progressive knowledge, but the gospel that saves. Hold fast to that, be faithful and trust the Lord. And we learned in our walk through Ephesians that we're to put on the armor of God. And in that armor, the only offensive weapon is the word of God. So all that is to say, I don't have to worry about being chased down through the mountains in the last (laughs) days. And, you know, I don't think Adventists are the only ones who think it's going to get like that. I don't think they are either. So we get to see in Revelation that he takes care of his church. At the end of all things, when he stands up to judge, the one who is judging is the one who has already saved us and adopted us. And has taken the judgment. Mm -hmm. Oh, Nikki... Those are amazing take-homes. And you made me think of a couple of things. You're mentioning Ephesians, for example. Yeah. I love that, Ephesians 6, because Paul makes it really clear that our battle is not flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. So what we see going on around us in the world as we approach an election year, as, (laughs) as we see wars and rumors of wars, and as a friend pointed out this weekend, nation shall rise against nation. The underlying word there is ethnos which is ethnicities. And that's what we see in mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. ethnicities rising against each other. God knows. He, he said that would happen. But the real battle is spiritual. Yeah. So our job, according to Ephesians 6, is just what you said, to put on the armor of God and to stand 
And that's what Paul said. So you may stand. And the only offensive weapon is the word of God. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It is absolutely amazing. And then all over scripture, I think of our walk through Colossians and some of the other passages that we've gone through, other books, we're called to put on that armor. We're called to stand. We're called to pray. But most consistently, we're called to love one another. That's right. And not forsake meeting together, not forsake admonishing each other from day to day so no one will be hardened by not sin, by the deceitfulness of sin. And I say, Nikki, I think about the people that are just leaving Adventism and how disorienting it is sometimes to hear their Adventist friends throwing words back at them. Well, I believe I'm saved by grace. I love Jesus. I believe. And if you felt that way about Adventism, well, of course you were right to leave. Condescend, condescend with all the same sounding words, but they don't mean the same thing. And I think about that and I think that's deceitfulness of sin. That's what we were deceived by in Adventism was a religion that deceived us about the Bible. So we thought the Bible said something it didn't say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think of you saying that, and I can put myself in both sides of that discussion as the one who is spoken to that way, but also as the one who would have responded that way to someone. Exactly. Wait a minute. I I love Jesus. I would have too. I want to be his. I read the Bible. I trust the God of scripture. And and there's a self-deception, which is why we do what we do. Because no one told me until they told me yeah. <laughs> that what I believed was different from what the Bible taught and that I it know. was different from what Christians believed. I thought we had the same message. I did too. And so I would feel very justified in saying those things to someone who was leaving Adventism because I would have really yeah. believed it. I would have too. I had the same response. It's really kind of um, a shocking thing to realize that deception is so subtle that it can take the Bible and make it say something it doesn't say, and you have no idea. And I've often thought, too, how interesting it was that as Adventists, when we were Adventists, what we thought Christians believed was what Adventism told us they believed. Yeah. We didn't know from our own study, from our own pursuit of Scripture, what the Bible actually said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and unless somebody had, like you said, told me, I didn't know till I was told. Yeah. And I think about Romans 10, where Paul says, how will they hear mm-hmm. unless someone tells them? That's exactly why we do what we do. Because there are people who are sincere and who do want to serve God and who do love whoever they think Jesus is. And they don't know they have a false Jesus who is fallible, who gave up part of his godness and that that isn't the real Jesus. Yeah, no, we didn't know that. Do you remember the first time you realized, oh, God is bigger than a day? Yes. And I know that sounds probably offensive to an Adventist. I think I would have been offended by the idea that I thought the day was God. But I think what I meant by that when I first thought of that is he's not so petty that he's concerned about a 24-hour period. It's so much bigger than that. Yeah, exactly. And when I realized that the Sabbath wasn't an eternal reality, and Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath in the sense that he was taking care of it, managing it, helping people know how to treat it right. Mm -hmm. That wasn't what it meant to be Lord of the Sabbath. To be Lord of the Sabbath means he is 
over it, and the Sabbath is his creation. Mm-hmm. But I thought that God had to keep the Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of my son when I, I changed the chore chart on him. And he told me, no, but mommy, the chore chart says this. And I said, Josh, I wrote the chore chart. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's going to go this way now. And for some reason, it just in that moment, I was like, oh, (laughs) that is such a good example. (laughs) I'm sure it falls apart somewhere, but it was a moment for me. It's a moment. I agree completely. So, yes, as I walk into this year and I think about Revelation and I think, I can believe exactly what it says because I can see how it's reflecting what has already happened. Like we talked about last week, Jesus was born. Yeah. And John saw a vision, a vision of symbols. Yeah. But we knew they were symbols right? Mm -hmm. We didn't think he literally saw a woman in the sky (laughs) about to give birth. No, he saw a vision in symbols. And that's the thing I love about scripture. It's not a mystery when we're hearing words that define something real. Mm -hmm. When God says, I will bring all of Israel back, he means I will bring all of Israel back. Mm -hmm. But when he says, There's a woman with a crown of 12 stars. We know that that's a poetic image. Mm -hmm. So yes, the Bible is very clear, and I can believe it. And that means he's coming to reign. And that means I am part of the first resurrection because I've trusted him. Mm -hmm. And so we go into this year, trusting that word, wearing the armor of God, and proclaiming the truth to the lost. Exactly. And Jesus promised, Jesus himself, God the Son, in Matthew 6, not to worry about what we eat, drink, or wear. And I feel like that's really important right now with the world going crazy. Don't worry, he said. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, worry about those things. But your Heavenly Father knows you need them. And seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If he needs us to prep a little bit, he'll let us know. I mean, I really believe he'll let us know, but I think so often of Elijah out there at Mount Horeb, which is another name for Sinai, just saying, and he had hidden from Jezebel. He'd (laughs) hidden from an angry woman, and an angel found him after a raven brought him food. And I'm thinking, God has always cared for his people. He's always set them back on track. And remember how he met Elijah there and sent him back to Israel to finish his work. Mm -hmm. So we keep working. Now, I have another song. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) This is a new song that was only published this year. It's by Shane and Shane. And it's called All Sufficient Merit. And the words are amazing. All Sufficient Merit, Shining Like the Sun. A fortune I inherit by no work I have done. My righteousness I forfeit at my Savior's cross, where all sufficient merit did what I could not. In love he condescended eternal now in time, a life without a blemish, the maker made to die. I love this line. The law could never save us, 
our lawlessness had won until the pure and spotless lamb had finally come. I lay down my garments, any empty boast, good works, now all corrupted by the sinful host, dressed in my Lord Jesus, a crimson robe made white, no more fear of judgment, his righteousness is mine. All sufficient merit, firm in life and death, the joy of my salvation shall be my final breath. When I stand accepted before the throne of God, I'll gaze upon my Jesus and thank him for the cross. Yes, I'll thank you for the cross. And then the chorus. It is done. It is finished. No more debt I owe. Paid in full, all sufficient. It is done. It is finished. No more debt I owe. Paid in full, all sufficient. Merit now my own. And if you haven't experienced that forgiveness and that confidence that the merit of Jesus, his finished work of salvation, his taking the wrath of God for your sin, if his forgiveness and redemption isn't a part of your experience, it can be. Start this year by knowing Jesus. Bring your sin, bring your brokenness, and come to the cross and know that he paid everything necessary to save you. And you can know this kind of joy and this kind of peace as we walk into a very uncertain 2024. And join us next week as we get back to the book of Revelation. We'll see you then. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Former Adventist Podcast. You may email us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Former Adventist Podcast is a ministry of Life Assurance Ministries. For more information, weekly articles, videos, and a donation link, go to our website at proclamationmagazine.com. Music